clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome in to Simultaneous Catch Friends. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. My name's Josh Lapping. I also welcome our enemies, everybody, just so we're all aware. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. We we try to love everybody here on Simultaneous Catch, so... Yeah, even, maybe, they're, maybe they're not listening. They don't. Maybe they're not our friends, Adam. So to, to our mortal enemies in diehard fantasy football, thanks for listening, Margate and Lions. Um, <laughs> just kidding, guys. Uh, like, why do you call me lions? <laughs> I we said that once where I don't know why we use his like so many people's username in that, but we call the one person lions and not what their like username is. I find that funny. Regardless, welcome into another episode of Simultaneous Catch, folks. We are doing the continuing our division previews this week. We're going through the Souths. Today, so we're going to do the AFC and NFC South, respectively. We got our breakouts, we got our best rookies, we've got our division champs. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I did we we both agreed last week on both division winners, didn't we? We did. Yeah. So, well, I don't I don't actually see that trend continuing this week. We'll we don't, see what happens. We don't debate as much as we used to. No, it's it's true. I think we, especially with like a couple other players and stuff, I feel like we might have more debate this week. I actually thought you were going to push back last week a lot on the OBJ stuff. But kind of just we're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I I don't like it, but I understood it. I think that to this point we've fought, we actually fought over certain things. I, I feel like this year simultaneous catch might be a little bit different. There might be times where we fight more because last couple years we've been able to like have the fights off microphone with each other while it happens in the apartment. So now that we're spending more time apart, I feel like more things will be brought up that wouldn't have already been brought up. So we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get to some news and notes. Uh, you did just mention some intriguing wrinkles are happening in the Aaron Rodgers news, and I chuckle a little bit when you're like, I don't want to be like the sports media where it's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, but you do make a point. This is interesting. Yeah, so I think this is just of, of note and worth talking about since we were talking about it last week on the episode, and I was saying I wouldn't be – I don't even remember how I said it, but like I really can see this going either way, but there is a new wrinkle that's developed, and that is the NFL and the NFL Players Association giving players the option again to opt out just due to us still living in a world with COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything. Obviously, we are thankfully 
sort of moving our way through it and everything, but it's still a reality. So they are giving the option once again. So that could theoretically mean that Aaron Rodgers could take that opt-out and face no financial repercussions or anything. Um, so that's just really, really interesting to know that that is an option that is now on the table that we weren't necessarily thinking about uh, even a week ago before that was on the table. So, so I guess I'd like to like to get how you feel about it because I remember you last week we both you said that you didn't see a scenario in which he actually did just like not play, but now that this happened, it could be because I I want to take it in a different direction because uh, I think it impacts a couple of things, but I want to get your thoughts as the Packer fan about what you feel now. So I will say this, and maybe this kind of makes this whole point moot or something along those lines, but these decisions of opt-outs do need to happen fairly quickly. I believe the deadline is just the 2nd of June, so it's like three days from now or something like that? July. July. Sorry, excuse me. Yes, thank you. (laughs) July. That's okay. Uh, So it's not a heck of a lot of time, and for a player like Aaron Rodgers where everyone jokes about him being cerebral and thinking things through, I just feel like... Can we really see him making a, a, a year-long decision in a matter of seven days or whatever it is? So I don't know. I don't know if this really affects too much, but I'm, it certainly is something that is going on and creating more buzz around this if we need and I, more buzz. Right. I haven't read – I haven't actually read a lot about this. Uh, so I don't – I didn't actually know about it until you brought it up but where the direction i want to take it is for a player like cole beasley on the bills who in the last week or two has been vehement in his fight against the protocol saying that he was not going to abide by them that he doesn't need to abide by them and he was very intense about it and threatening to just retire uh i'm wondering if this was one of the caveat or caveats for this rule coming out for the NFL for a player like Cole Beasley who may not want to get vaccinated and just opt out for a year and then hopefully next year doesn't have to worry about it. Now, it's interesting for a player like Cole because he's 32 year old already, 33 is old for the NFL. I mean, wide receivers tend to play a little bit longer, but, you know, that's that's getting up there in the years. And for a team that should be a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender this season, that's interesting, too. I'm I'm. I'm Intrigued to see if there are other players in the woodworks other than a Cole Beasley uh, that would be thinking about it in this way, meaning that they don't want to have to worry about protocols and stuff but are uncomfortable getting vaccinated. I haven't heard too many people, but I'm interested if that could start this trend. Uh, It certainly could. I haven't heard any news yet or anything about players uh, taking advantage of this opportunity that's here right now. Maybe as we get closer to the deadline, it uh, could obviously change. I mean, I'm sure there are still players that are facing the similar concerns as they were last year. So having this option where their money's still protected, contract, uh, et cetera, is still protected, it could, it could, we could see it coming in the coming days to see if uh, players take advantage of it. Uh, just pertaining back to Rodgers, though, that that is something where, I mean, other than showing Green Bay that he's really serious about not being in Green Bay, that doesn't really help him. It, it it keeps him in Green Bay under contract and everything. So I don't know. It's just such a sticky situation again why I still really don't see anything major happening. And I feel mm-hmm. like if he really did just – I mean, it's not like the dude – I mean, obviously we would never scoff at 
15 million dollars or a number like that but uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers the one of the first 100 million dollar players uh doesn't uh that would that would obviously be a chunk of money but not like oh no like I have to go work at McDonald's now so <laughs> I mean if he really didn't want to be there I just feel like this is not the 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 silver lining Okay. Yeah. It is interesting to talk about Cole Beasley, though. I mean, just there there are two different kind of players, obviously, a quarterback versus a wide receiver, especially as you're talking about Cole's 32 years old. He'd be going to his 33-year-old season if he opted out, coming yeah. back at 34. That's right. uh, getting up there, especially for a slot receiver that is known to be fairly physical. And obviously, he got banged up last year, played through it uh, as mm-hmm. the body continues mm-hmm. to wear down and whatnot. So that that would be a, a real, real fascinating story to see if he – if he does decide to do that and then we'll have to see kind of how teams operate where obviously there are some, I don't know, tricky circumstances related to that because if he did decide to opt out and you're kind of knowing the reasoning behind doing it, do, do, the Bills kind of welcome him back with open arms. At that point, do you have Gabe Davis and the other players have already have continued growing to that role? So, like, do you do you have a spot to come back to? That's that's really kind of tricky. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I the reality is, you know, some people are looking at this situation and other situations like this and not taking it very seriously. But like, Cole doesn't really strike me as a guy that is going to bluff. Uh, But, I mean, we did sign Emmanuel Sanders, who has been known to play in the slot at times before and play that role very well. Um, And they really like the rookie that got hurt last year, Isaiah Hodgins, that's uh, been rumored to be playing very well in camp. But, yeah, like I said, I didn't even know that this came out, so it's interesting to think about. We'll certainly monitor it. And, you know, by the time we're recording, either next week or the week after for the next preview, we'll certainly know if any at all players did so. So... Uh, certainly we'll follow that, but let's get back into our previews. Last week we previewed the AFC and NFC North, both picking uh, the Browns to win, the AFC North, and then the NFC North. We both decided to stick with the Packers. So we're doing the AFC and NFC South today. So let's start on the AFC side. Last week we started on the NFC. Uh, let's start with just previewing the four teams. Let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. Key losses for the Colts. Uh, linebacker Anthony Walker. Uh, defensive lineman Danico Autry, who actually went interdivision, went over to the Titans. Uh, and they lost Anthony Costanzo, a big tackle for them. Uh, biggest addition, obviously, being the Carson Wentz trade from Philly to Indianapolis. They added Sam Tevy, an offensive tackle. T.Y. Hilton re-signed. Xavier Rhodes re-signed. Marlon Mack re-signed. And then their big uh, draft Pick number one overall, Quiddy Pay, the Michigan defensive end pass rusher. Uh, a lot of people touting him as one of the best pass rushers in the draft. And then just a little note about another player I liked, Mr. Will Fries, offensive guard from PSU. <laughs> well, who's your rookie player, Adam? No, I'm just Will Fries. <laughs> no, that's not my rookie player. Um, yeah, I really like a lot of what they did, and I'm going to just – take the low-hanging fruit and say Quiddy Pay because I don't there weren't a lot there aren't a lot of players in the Colts draft class that I think <laughs> yeah what what do you know I wait, just what do you, I I also felt this way about the right Colts well it's their just draft class 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't love their draft class, but I love that player, and I really think that a lot of the other players that they took are more. So I don't want to say because every draft pick is really a lottery ticket, but I think there are more like let's see if these guys develop into something because the Colts have a pretty complete roster. I mean, we talk about it over and over again. Last year we said the same thing that the Colts have, were a quarterback away from being a contender, and you know they took the Buffalo Bills to the last couple plays who eventually went to the AFC title game. So they're a very, very good team. It's just, can the quarterback uh, round it all out? So you add after they lost two pieces that were uh, semi-pass rush pieces in uh, Domenico Autry and Anthony Walker, and then they go with Pay in the draft. The Michigan defensive end is someone that we had mocks to Miami. I think both of us did. I'm not quite positive. I but think right. yeah, a solid, solid player, and I think that he can contribute from day one. Yeah, no, I th- it's definitely, definitely uh, a really wise thing to say. I think Quiddy Pay. A lot of people were super high on him. Uh, he wasn't my number one edge rusher in the draft, but certainly just brings a good motor. I feel like that is something we see from a lot of Michigan players that they have a a really good motor and drive. And I think Pay definitely does do that, and it's going to bring that to this defense. Uh, just this isn't who I have as my rookie, but uh, their second round pick. I'm not quite positive how to say his name, so I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Deo Adengbo? Uh, uh, I know who you're talking about. So, but that that is a pick where a lot of players, or not a lot of players, excuse me, a lot of analysts were thinking that was a reach just because of his injury. I uh, was thinking he was going to fall because he injured or he tore a ligament in his leg uh, in January of, of this year before the draft, which is obviously unfortunate, but we've seen players like that where maybe they don't make an instant impact of their rookie year, but they can certainly, when they get there, like the talent is there. I do think that's a player that uh, is certainly going to do that. Um, so maybe a quote reach just because of that, but certainly I think the if, if he was healthy, that is a player that people wouldn't be saying that that's a reach. So I think that's that's very interesting. The player that yeah. I'm focusing on here, though, to talk about, and maybe, again, isn't going to be a player that's going to be an instant impact rookie, but certainly a name to watch down the down the line is going to be uh, Kalen Granson, who is the fourth-round pick out of SMU. He is a tight end uh, by position, but I think they could use him around on some different kind of positions or whatnot. I think he is a kind of a movable chess piece. But a, I he's a rookie. Really... He's a rookie. Yes. Are we not talking about okay. rookies? No, we are. I didn't know if you just like jumped into breakouts next or not. Okay. Yeah. No. Sure. He he was a he was a fourth round pick this year, but really, uh, I think probably fell to the fourth round just because he didn't have a ton of production uh, in in his senior year, especially. If you go back to his junior year, he uh, caught forty three balls for seven hundred and twenty yards. He averaged almost seventeen yards a catch with nine touchdowns. That's pretty impressive. Uh, he did transfer, uh, so his receptions, his yardage went down. Uh, still had a team high five touchdowns. But the thing is, what's really important for me with this is still his yards per catch, but we're still over 15. And I think that's really an impressive number. Obviously, maybe not going against the best defensive talent uh, w- within the teams that he was playing and whatnot. But I think if you can average almost 17 and then over 15 a year later with a different team, you're showing some really special talent. And I think Wentz is a guy that really loves getting his tight ends involved. Obviously, they have some good tight ends there in Indianapolis. They do have 
uh, Jack Doyle still, Mo Ali Cox. So maybe this isn't a player that you're going to see making instant impacts right away, but definitely a name to watch down the road, in my opinion. I like that. Yeah, that's a player that I, not even I really uh, would have known as much. So, so absolutely. Uh, let's let's go to breakouts for breakout for me. I'm going to go with the with a top pick for them last year in Michael Pittman Jr. I really liked how Michael Pittman Jr. came on late in the season. He finished with 40 catches for 503 yards and a touch one touchdown. And what I really loved was the way he played in the playoff game against Buffalo. I really think that in that game they were using him, they were moving him a lot around a lot, and I think that uh, he didn't catch. Uh, he had five catches for 90 yards. And then I believe he also had three carries, or no, sorry, one carry for 15, 16 yards. But he also, he had the one play on the fourth down where Phillip Rivers overthrew him by like an inch in the end zone on the fourth down that would have totally flipped the game. But he just, he got more and more involved with the offense as the season went on. And I know Carson Wentz is coming over, so... You know, we'll see which receiver he hooks onto, but I really, really like Michael Pittman Jr. as an option to really have a huge season for this team that needs a wide receiver to step up and just sort of take control of of the number one option. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. I think you're dead wrong. No, I don't. Think Ooh, you're dead wrong. obviously, here we go. Can, can can evolve, and it was his rookie year. But I'm going with another wide receiver that has been dealing with injuries throughout his career so far, and that is Paris Campbell. I'm super Paris excited about Campbell, Paris Campbell. <laughs> All right, so Paris Campbell only played in the first game of the season last year, right? But his stat yep. line for that game super impressive, in my opinion. He had nine targets. He caught six balls for 71 yards. All right, so you're thinking like, oh, who cares about that? That's like all fine and dandy. I will say <laughs> about this, and obviously it's not a knock. Uh, he is he was a rookie, and like you said, he started coming on stronger as he got more involved and more comfortable with the NFL. But compared to that, Michael Pittman Jr., who played the entire year, only matched that amount of targets once, that amount of catches once, and that many yards that many yards just one time throughout the course of 16 games compared to Campbell doing it in the first game. I think Campbell will slot in, depending on where they use T.Y. Hilton, I think Campbell can slide into that slot receiver, which Carson Wentz is really going to uh, like. He's liked it in the past. I think it could be a definite go-to guy for Wentz. I'm really excited to see what Campbell can do if he stays healthy. I mean, uh, the big the big thing that you just said, though, is if, though. I mean, he's he was drafted in 2019. Uh, it was a second round pick. That was two years ago, and he has yet to play a season. You know, he's oh been, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, he's injured twice, and I think that uh, I think his his first year he played like six or seven games. Yeah, seven games. We're seeing it now, and then of course he technically it says he played in two last year, but really he got injured in the second one. Um, yeah, I mean Paris Campbell has got all the talent. I believe he played at Ohio State. Yep. Yes, Ohio State. So, like, he was a really, really big-time player in that draft. A lot of people liked Paris Campbell. Uh, I think the only reason why I, I don't see it as much as uh, Michael Pittman is only because I don't think that they would have taken Michael Pittman Jr. so high as they did last year if they believed Paris Campbell was going to come on strong. Now, obviously, they could both come on strong. And, and re- I, don't, I don't know if they really need – that because they're obviously going to want to run the football. You know they re-signed Marlon Mack who was injured last year, but they still have uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, big t- big pick from last year who came on real strong near the end of the year. He's going to be a really big fantasy football draft pick this year. And then they still have Naheem Hines, who's the pass catching extraordinaire. 
who, you know, he also had a pretty big playoff game against Buffalo, a couple of huge runs, a couple of nice catches that kept them in the game as well. So they're obviously going to be a run first team with those uh, bevy of backs that they have. But yeah, I mean, it Ooh, could be Paris Campbell, backs. bevy of backs. Uh, the, they bolster a bevy of backs. But yeah, I think that... I think that it'll be very interesting to watch Carson Wentz, of course, but I'm intrigued to see which which wide receiver is going to come out because they have those two guys that we mentioned. They have T.Y. Hilton and not really much else. So it's going to be uh, – everybody has an opportunity here. This is the, Right. The, the, the Wentz factors makes it interesting because he doesn't have a connection with anybody. It wasn't like he – was there connecting with Pittman when Campbell went down or anything. It's not like they had this great repertoire. So whoever's on the field right. kind of can make that connection. It's just going to be really fascinating to watch. And they didn't bring anybody over. I mean, there there have been talks that they that Zach Ertz might make his way over there at some point. But, I mean, and we'll talk about this team a little bit later too, but it's not even like a Carolina who got Sam Darnold and they have Robbie Anderson, one of his older favorite targets. So yeah. uh, it'll be very interesting for sure. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the second team that I have listed here. I have the Tennessee Titans next. Key losses for them include just an exodus from their secondary. Desmond King, Kenny Vaccaro, Adderay Jackson, Malcolm Butler, all gone from the secondary. They obviously lost Corey Davis and Jonu Smith from their offensive repertoire. And then Daquan Jones, uh, pass rusher as well. Key additions, like I said, they swiped Danico uh, Autry. They also lost Jadavian Clowney. Thank you. You know, I actually was going to say that, and I was like, you know, if I say that, Josh is going to give me shit for it. Because he'd be like, oh, dude, they're like, how can you lose somebody who didn't even play? <laughs> but, yes, they don't have Jadavian Clowney as well. Uh, key additions, obviously, the huge one being the big deal for Bud Dupree, uh, outside linebacker, edge rusher that they took from Pittsburgh. Danico Autry, like I said, they stole him from the Colts. Uh, Josh Reynolds, wide receiver. Uh, formerly with the Rams, and then, of course, the big Julio Jones trade, and Janoris Jenkins came over from the Saints. Uh, big draft picks, they took Caleb Farley, who was one of my favorite defensive players out of Virginia Tech, the cornerback, uh, who fell all the way down there, and I was upset because I wanted Buffalo to take him. Uh, they took Dylan Radnins, an offensive tackle from North Dakota State, and then other mentionables. They A receiver that I did like out of LSU, Racy McMath, they took in the sixth round, who I don't know if he'll get as big of an opportunity now that Julio is obviously on the team, but a lot of moves for the Titans. And I think that the big thing for me is that I think people focus so much on what they've added, but the Titans lost a lot of pieces. Yeah. I mean, like I just said, I mentioned four secondary players, all of whom will either be in the starting lineup or key rotational players for other teams next season. I mean, they lost a lot and I am, you know, we're, we'll get to talking about who wins it or not, but this one isn't like a lot of people are saying the Titans are a slam dunk, and it's not really for me because of they've lost a lot of stuff. Well, they lost a lot of pieces, but let's not even pretend like those pieces that they lost were lighting the world on fire. The the defense, in my opinion, was uh, always the weak spot of the Titans, and so I mean, especially on that back end, I like some of the moves that they did. Like I think bringing Bud Dupree obviously coming off an injury. We'll have to see if he regains that form that he caught fire the last two years with Pittsburgh. Right. We'll have to see if, if he can bring that consistent pass rush that I think they were hoping w- with for from Clowney. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's a, it's an overhauled defensive backfield there for sure. And I – so I won't I won't take low-hanging fruit this time with Caleb Farley. You all already know how much I love him. I'm going to say best rookie, Dylan Radnes, 
uh, Rad Duns, the offensive tackle from North Dakota State. He was a, you know, outside of Trey Lance, he was uh, he was the best player on the team, and really really crushed some dudes on all of those zone reads and outside runs by Trey Lance and and the backfield. I just think that you know they've lost some pieces and they need to rebolster that offensive line, which has been such a strength for them in the last couple of couple of seasons with the obviously 2000 rushing yards from Derrick Henry and also the incredible play action pass game they have with Ryan Tannehill at the helm so I'm going with their second excuse me second round pick offensive tackle from North Dakota State I like that a lot is he expected to slide into a starting position do you know because I know obviously after they lost Conklin uh, last year I would say that was still a pretty big gaping hole I would say that that is their hope I don't know if it's expected though okay Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with their third round pick. You went with their second round pick. I'm going with their third round pick, Elijah Molden. Uh, he was a third round pick. I think slid a little bit because he's a pretty much a played pretty exclusively in the slot. Uh, so maybe players are, or teams, excuse me, aren't thinking they want just somebody to be a slot cover guy. Uh, but, I mean, he has the build for it. He's not even 5'10", but I think this guy can really come in. And even if he is a, quote, slot guy, I think he locks it down. And if you can have a lockdown guy somewhere on the field, especially as we're evolving in the NFL, that's just becoming even more important. Of All right, I have a little little stat dive here for my, my guy. Elijah. Stat guy. So, of... 75 Power 5 defensive backs that logged at least 500 snaps uh, since 2014. No one earned a higher coverage grade than Molden. No one forced more incompletions, which was 21, or recorded more pass passing stops, which he had 36 of. I think this guy is just a really good ball hawk. I think he has really great eyes, and he knows how to make a play on the ball. Maybe it's not creating turnovers, but if you can get the ball to hit the ground, that is you're, you're going to take that any time of the day. So as we're talking about that secondary, that's just going to be completely new. I think Molden, if he comes out and has a really strong showing, we could see him making plays in the slot pretty early on in his career. Absolutely. I, I really, really like that. I'm going to stay in the slot. I'm just going to go on the other side of the football. I'm going to go with wide receiver Josh Reynolds, a guy that I mentioned oh. when I did key additions. So Josh Reynolds was a guy I was drafting in every single mock draft all over the place in fantasy football. It's fallen off a little bit because the addition of Julio Jones kind of puts a little bit damper on that. But I think that he's going to play in the slot, and I think that he's going to get a lot of targets. I think that, you know, Adam Humphreys is gone, so they, they need somebody to come into that role, and I think they'll have Julio and A.J. Brown on the outside, and Josh Reynolds will get in on the middle. And I think that uh, this season, Arthur Smith being gone, obviously losing Jonu Smith, I think that they aren't going to be able to run as many two wide receiver, two tight end sets as they would like to because they don't have, in my opinion, two solid tight ends right now. Uh, Ferkser is a nice player, but I just don't think that even he is a world beater. Um, but I really, really think that they're going to run some three wide receiver, one back, one tight end uh, sets. And I think Josh Reynolds can eat in that. He had his best uh, season of his career last year. Not a huge year, but he had 52 catches, 618 yards and two touchdowns. I just think that there's an opportunity for Josh Reynolds here. And he obviously went here uh, thinking that he had a chance to be the number two. And then obviously they make the Julio Jones trade. But even that, you know, realizing that it's possible that Julio could get injured. I know that we talked about it and we will um, talk about it 
as we continue in this offseason and maybe even in this episode that Julio isn't really an injury-prone receiver. He just had a tough year last year. But that being said, he's he is aging, and if there's an injury, I think Josh Reynolds just even gets a bigger boost. Uh, so yeah, I just I really have I've always liked the player, and I really like his opportunity to really be that that over the middle receiver who catches and gets yard after catch for Tannehill. I just feel like he's such a weird looking guy. <laughs> I just feel like he has I, a a weird grin. You know, this just in. I don't think looks really affect your play. Mm. I mean. I was going to make a Tom Brady joke, and then I was like, no, I don't hate Tom Brady anymore. I won't do that. Never mind. Tom Brady's a pretty good-looking dude. <laughs> I was going to be like, Tom Brady's Colin ugly, Coward, and he's still okay. But <laughs> Colin Coward has a whole thing about uh, quarterbacks have to be good-looking. He does, thing. and I mean, I, when was the last time you thought of a quarterback that was actually pretty ugly that, you know what I mean? I can't think of it. This Josh is a weird conversation. Josh McCown's not ugly. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> The guy that you said was not a world beater, and you're right, Anthony Ferkser. But maybe you don't need to be hey, a world beater just to have the opportunity <laughs> there, which he's going to have now more than likely unless some other name emerges. But I think right now Anthony Ferkser is the guy. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. He's only 6'2", so he's not uh, a six foot six tight end running out uh, for three like Kyle Pitts is uh, in Atlanta or anything. But I just think he is putting in the work. There are stories coming out that he's been training with Travis Kelsey, with George Kittle, with retired Greg Olson. So yeah, there's a big. You want to try to be the doing best. A big, You're going to work with the best. So yeah, yeah, they're doing a big tight end camp uh, out there. There's a whole bunch of guys out there. I know Dawson Knox is there too. Uh, I think that's actually really cool. That's a obviously a conversation we can have. But I think it's really cool that there's guys like Olson and then. Guys who are in the league, like Kittle and Kelsey, being like, we want the position to be better. I think that's cool. Yeah, for sure. You know, the tight end position, I love the tight end position. <laughs> yes, but you know what? Everybody loves a good tight end. We we get it. It's There's no shame in that. So, yeah, like you said, not going to be the most <laughs> explosive guy, but uh, I think Anthony Ferkser. He is my breakout player for the well the targets targets certainly have to go somewhere with uh with the guys that left so let's scoot on over to the next team the jacksonville jaguars jacksonville didn't lose a ton of players because they really didn't have a ton of big names to lose um no offense jacksonville but Carlos Hyde, running back, it is an addition. Philip Dorsett, wide receiver, addition. Shaquille Griffin, cornerback. Marvin Jones, wide receiver. Malcolm Brown, defensive tackle. Rayshon Jenkins, free safety. And, of course, the biggest name, Timothy Tebow, tight end. Additions to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's then they're big. Player. Yeah, right? Breakout player. Uh, hey, there's video of him catching touchdowns in practice, and he just looks good. Anyway, uh, obviously the draft, big first-round picks in Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, the duo from Clemson, and then other notable picks include Walker Little, the offensive tackle from Ohio State. So, yeah, who's a rookie for you on this on this team? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. I need to challenge you on something. Uh, Walker Little did not play for Ohio State. Oh, uh, was it Wisconsin? He played at Stanford. I quit. This show's over. <laughs> it's It's single. This is single catch. <laughs> so everybody, yes, Walker. Little I didn't write down. I, I, I didn't. I didn't write the. I didn't write down 
uh, I forgot to write down his college, and I just in the so image of my head in, is the red, and I was red. like, it must be Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, no, he played at Stanford because he's a smarty. Uh, but yeah, uh, I really like the addition of Walker Little there. He's a just a hulking man, six foot seven. Uh, they got him in the second round, which is right where I thought he was going to go with how the tackle position was going to fall. I don't obviously think he's the the best tackle in the draft class or anything like that, but I just think he's obviously smart. He played at Stanford, so I think he's just really smooth, and I think he has good eyes. I think he's going to be able to combine those eyes with his smooth feet to kind of keep his eyes on on Trevor Lawrence, be able to shift around and, and keep guys away. I think that is just going to make a really good combination as we see a young tackle morph in, in the NFL. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I think what I'm going to – obviously, the Trevor Lawrence is a low-hanging fruit, but I'm going to go with their other first-round pick, Travis Etienne, and here's why. Because I actually didn't love the pick, and we talked about this in our live. We were like, well, you don't really need a running back. James Robinson was fantastic last year as an undrafted rookie. But then I started reading the reports and seeing the footage of him only taking snaps from the slot receiver position during yeah, – Okay, during convince, the, because I, I hate this. So I actually like it because – I think, and I have concerns about Urban Meyer. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. I'm not, I'm still not totally sold that Urban Meyer is going to work in the NFL. Uh, I think that, you know, and and nobody really knows for sure because he's obviously never done this before. But I like the idea of, you know, we looked at our board and said, this guy can help us in multiple different places. So let's take him and just see what we can do with it. Travis Etienne knows how to run the football. He knows run concepts. He knows zone run scheme. It's what they're going to run in Jacksonville he doesn't need to he doesn't need to just like learn that of course he'll learn the playbook as a running back but I love using a guy like ETN in the slot they they're a team that's going to use DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault but being able to flex out ETN in the slot or using him out of the backfield as receiver something that he's fantastic at doing we we touted his pass catching ability during draft season I just love the idea of just work him as hard as we can at this spot that he's never really done a lot in his career before so that he can just add that to to the to the tool chest and I, I love the fact that I think that something else that pushes this over the edge for me is the fact that he's coming in with Trevor. I like that he's coming in with a guy that trusts him and likes to throw him the football. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing for me. And I just, he's a really, really great player. And initially, like I said, didn't love it. But I actually kind of like them utilizing his talents to the fullest instead of just saying, you're gonna just going to run up the middle every play. That makes sense. I don't think you're wrong. I still just don't like it. Obviously, there can be yeah. there can be packages where you send uh, your running back out to out wide or, or something like that. But the the, the stories, and I, I can't pretend like I I know so much that's going on in Jacksonville camp. I don't. <laughs> but just the stories, like we're having him practice as a slot wide receiver. I was like, no, like not questioning Travis Etienne's intelligence or anything. But coming in as a rookie in the NFL, it's gonna be hard enough. Even if you're just a running back, which people can talk about, maybe is a simpler job. It's it's not learning all the verbiage of a quarterback or something like that. It's still going to be intense. It's going to be. Uh, certainly a challenge and so let the the young man develop as as he is and to utilize those talents and sure like I said you can have certain plays and packages where you have him but to be like we're letting him we're going to challenge him because we know he has this skill set I was like whoa like let's let's let him translate to the NFL as a running back first that could so that could theoretically not even work 
So is so is your biggest concern that they're saying he's practicing exclusively of the slot and not doing anything else? Is that your only concern? Like, would it would it not be a concern for you if they were just like we're trying him out a little bit here and just seeing how it works? Like I said, I and maybe maybe I have overloaded that story of the we're letting him practice in the <laughs> slot and be a wide receiver and, and things like that. We're gonna. I, we're going to put him there and utilize that skill set because you're right. We still have James Robinson, and he's really good. But I yeah. just feel like it could be such a disaster to not let a player fully grow into the NFL. And I feel like players get so few chances where if he doesn't come out and explode right away or it could really hurt confidence. We've seen that before, whether or not you actually believe in the confidence factor or something like that. And especially at the running back position, it's, it's something that is so easily – replaceable i feel like there's a very short shelf life of commitment to these kind of players so to put too much on his plate i just feel like it could definitely come back to bite not so much the jaguars but more etn personally okay i mean like I, I, that makes sense that makes sense i just i really I, I think that so often we get these players that in the nfl where they're like uh, I don't even. I hate the. I hate the term gadget player because I think that that's kind of disrespectful, um, <laughs> a little bit. But like, uh, Inspector get, Gadget was a great show, Adam. It it really truly was. Uh, <laughs> but I just I think that we get to the point where these players where it's like we're gonna play them everywhere, but we're not gonna give them enough chance to. It, it kind of it. It's hard to make the argument I'm going to make because it makes your argument and it makes my argument because I'm saying that like they don't give them enough time to practice the different spots. So it's like take a couple snaps there and then you'll be fine. I think that the fact that he is a running back who has the skill set already to be a running back and then giving him an actual extended opportunity to practice in the slot I think is is important. But you're right. It could also just be terrible and be nothing and he could not take any snaps from my receiver position. We don't know. I just I thought it was kind of fun. I, and I couldn't say I, I wanted to say Tim Tebow because he's a rookie tight end technically. But regardless, um, who's your who's your breakout player? My breakout player is this is semi low hanging fruit. Uh, obviously a relatively high draft pick last year, and it's LaVisca Chenault. I'm really excited to see okay. what he okay. is going to do. I think he came on super strong at the end of last year. Caught 16 balls for. Uh, turned three of those catches into touchdowns over the last two weeks. I think he was a player that came out a little bit raw last year, but certainly it started clicking. I think you add a player of the potential that we're all expecting with Trevor Lawrence, and I just expect that we're going to see LaVisca Chenault doing some really great things. I think especially with him not necessarily having to be the one with DJ Chark there, I think he can do some damage. Yeah, absolutely. I did. I definitely toyed with saying LaVisca Chenault. I think he's a fantastic player. I really, really like him a lot. But I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. This is going to be my first. This is the first time that I'm not going offense. I have two receivers so far, but I'm going to go Jer- or Gerard Wilson, safety. Uh, like it's, his, it's his fifth year in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. Or it's fifth or sixth year in the NFL. He was obviously drafted by... Uh, Jacksonville uh, hasn't missed a ton of time, but he was injured last year. He did end up missing four games, but was having, by all accounts, a career year. Um, he he finished the season with 69 tackles, uh, three pass defenses, interception, uh, 25 or six assists on top of that. I think he was really just very, very solid all around. 
uh, for a team that was consistently getting beat up on, like they were getting scored on a lot. And so he was out there a lot and he was very much being asked to do more than you typically would of a safety. So I think that young player getting into his own uh, new regime, he's the starting safety for him. He's going to roam back there. And like I said, was having a career year until he got injured last year. I think that he continues his momentum uh, and has a, a breakout year for the Jaguars who, you know, we could talk about a little bit here, but the, the Jaguars kind of being ignored a little bit. Like I said, there's the there's the unknown with Trevor Lawrence being a rookie, and there's the unknown with Urban Meyer, not only a rookie head coach, but had never coached in the NFL before. You know, there's unknown with that, but they have talent on this team on both sides of the ball. It could be an interesting team. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating. I don't think they're going to be the doormat that we've seen for most years other than that one year. <laughs> the doormat. <laughs> All right, who wins the division, my friend? Uh, well, we didn't even cover the fourth team, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was on purpose. We don't need to talk about the Texans. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. We're talking about the Texans. Um, I forgot. It's fine. Uh, Hi, key losses. my name's Josh Lapping with Solo Catch. Solo Catch. Welcome. You know, Appreciate we're just, tuning in. We're, building, we're building up the, the portfolio for that. To come out soon. Uh, obviously, I think the key loss to really mention is Deshaun Watson. Probably not going to play this year. Uh, I think we've talked enough about it. We don't need to delve into that now. But additions that they added after David Coley was hired. Uh, Terod Taylor, quarterback, at being added. Uh, Vernon Hargraves, cornerback. Uh, Christian Kirksey. Mark Ingram. Philip Lindsay. Andre Roberts. I mean, there are a lot of, like, older veteran guys. Or, yeah, they definitely added a lot of pieces that, like, aren't, like, the sexiest pieces, but, like... Right. They were, like, solid guys who you know will yeah. come in and build a locker room and a culture and just, you know, perform at least decent. Uh, they didn't have a ton of draft picks, but the three big names they got were Davis Mills, Nico Collins, and Brevin Jordan. I actually really liked all three of those players. Um, so it was interesting that they ended up getting a, a Davis Mills who fell to the third round, and Nico Collins who also fell. And then Brevin Jordan who, for two days, I was like, why is Brevin Jordan still on the board to you? Uh, I kept texting you that, and then he got taken just before I thought uh, Miami might take him, uh, the tight end. So, yeah, I mean, they, they did a lot. But in a lot of ways, it was like one or two year deals. So it really feels like they just want to feel the competitive team uh, and not get run over. But I still like feel like there's a great opportunity for them to just kind of get rolled over this year. I don't know. Yeah, who's, your break, who's, who's your who's your breakout or your rookie? Uh, so I'll go with the rookie just to get it out of the way since you already mentioned him. Obviously, they didn't have a plethora of picks. So the, the picking is kind of slim. But I do really like. Uh, the pick of Nico Collins, uh, third round wide receiver, six foot four out of Michigan. You know, I think it's just really going to be a matter of again who's available. Obviously, they have Brandon Cooks there, but outside of that, I mean, they have aging Randall Cobb. We don't know how much he'll really be out there. A player that we loved, Kiki QT, uh, didn't do I think anything last year. I don't even know if he played a game. He was uh, injured so, at times, I think, but yeah, he didn't play a lot at all. So I'm just I I feel like that was such a dramatic like he was such a impact player for like three weeks and like we we're all like yeah this guy and now he's just not 
So I feel like Nico Collins, I think whoever's under center, whether it is Watson, if that somehow gets resolved, or if it's Taylor, or if it is the rookie quarterback, they're going to need to throw the ball to somebody, especially if they're down in a lot of games, which I think we're imagining they don't win that many. So they're going to be down. So they're probably going to be chucking the ball. I think uh, Collins with, with his body and his body control can really uh, be uh, an impact player because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love Nico Collins. I certainly has the opportunity. Obviously, Brandon Cooks is going to be the number one, but, I mean, he's obviously shown a propensity at times to be injured as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but somebody's got to catch the ball for him. So I'm going to stay in that vein and go with the other rookie I mentioned. I'm going to mention Brevin Jordan, the tight end. I just think that he fell a little bit. He was considered one of the top tight ends, really, uh, after Pitts and Friermuth. I thought he would have been the third one off the board, but he was actually, I think, like the fifth or sixth one off the board. So I really, really like Brevin Jordan's skill set. Uh, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, and they need somebody there to catch over the middle. And, you know, in in Taylor's, I think it'll end up being Terod Taylor uh, week one and for the majority of the season. I do think that he'll be serviceable enough and they'll be competitive enough with Taylor for them to just kind of ride him out for a year, uh, see what happens next year with the Watson situation or even if Davis Mills is able to get an opportunity. But I truly think Terod Taylor is going to play, and if that's the case, he likes a tight end position. I mean, Charles Clay had some of his best seasons as a tight end in Buffalo when Terod Taylor was the quarterback. Now, they weren't like world-beater seasons, but... Tarad loves to target that position. So I really think that Brevin Jordan has an opportunity here because they're going to want to, I think they're going to want to run the ball a lot. Obviously, they signed 12 running backs <laughs> to do it. Um, and I think that he will be a benefactor, you know, in the play action game over the middle and then in the red zone. Yeah, no, I think like like we said, like they didn't have a lot of draft capital to do things with, but I feel like when they got on the clock, uh, eventually in the third round, they started making some picks that are going to be good for this team long term. I am really fascinated to see what happens with the quarterback position, saying that if if we do take Watson out of the factor for the year, you're talking about whether or not you think Taylor is going to play majority of the year. I'm just I'm really really fascinated because I think we're obviously saying that we don't expect Houston to be super competitive this year probably going to yeah I mean they'll win games it's almost impossible to not win some games right although um, a lot of people but, are picking them as an 0-17 team which I just think is ridiculous but yikes but with that being said I think we'll see whether or not how the organization feels about Watson based on this quarterback play. I think if they're still losing games and they keep Taylor in, I feel like that's kind of showing that they're going to try to keep Watson on where if eventually they get, uh, we get to mid October, November and they put Mills in, I think that could be saying we might not expect Watson in the future. So we need to see what we have in this kid now. Yeah. Yeah. Because they certainly, they could definitely be, I mean, if they are the 0-17 team, they're going to have the first pick, so they're going to be in quarterback territory. So so they would want to see if they had something in Davis Mills, for sure. No, I think that that's definitely a possibility. I think that they're as intriguing a team as ever to watch with uh, Nick Casario and David Cauley both getting five-year deals. Now, that doesn't always mean anything in the NFL. They could lose their jobs in two years. It happens um, all the time. But they obviously are... You know, the owner wants them to be a part of this rebuild. So we'll see what happens. 
Um, but I'm going to go and do breakout player real quick, and I am going to go with uh, – I'm going to head to this crowded backfield, which has David Johnson, Philip Lizzie, Mark Ingram. I mean, they've just got all kinds of running backs, but I'm going to go to Philip Lindsay here. Uh, I know it might be a little bit weird to say a fourth-year receiver or running back who's had two 1,000-yard seasons already as a breakout, but I think both those years he was never really like the guy. And I know sure. that they have – David Johnson, who they kind of made the guy last year. And like I said, they also signed Mark Ingram and everything. But I really like Philip Lindsay as a player. He's only 26 years old. Uh, he was also undrafted, kind of like James Robinson, who we talked back with the Jags. Uh, but his first season had 1,040 yards, nine touchdowns, and 250 receiving yards as well. I mean, he's just got a, a skill set for this type of NFL where you're you're running zone runs from the shotgun or you're doing zone read or you're dumping it off to your running back, things that Taylor likes as well. I know I picked the tight end, uh, but obviously they had LaShawn McCoy too uh, in Taylor's years, and he loves throwing it, throwing it to LaShawn McCoy and things like that. I just think that uh, there's a role for Philip Lindsay to carve out here, and it's really hard to call your shot in crowded backfields like this. But when you do and it pays off, you look like a genius. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take my shot and say Philip Lindsay breaks out. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I'm I'm really fascinated by this running back room just because there are so many. Uh, do you do you call David Johnson and? Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay, big names. I'm not quite sure, but I mean, all of them are, are, are talented. They're notable. Backs, I think they all ran for, I can't remember. I don't have this stat in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they all like hit like 4.5 yards per carry like last year. So yeah. I mean, like they're, they're very capable. I'm really curious though, to see if having such a stable, obviously they're going to have to develop their packages for them and whatnot. But I'm curious to see if there's going to be some clock management issues with trying to get these guys subbed out and in and how that works. So something to definitely monitor if you are for some reason watching a Texans game, I'm going to go for my <laughs> breakout, uh, a defensive back. I'm going to go take a page from yours uh, last last round uh, and that is Lonnie Johnson uh, he is going to be entering his third year in the NFL uh, he switched this year he was drafted as a corner he got switched to safety uh, which I think is a really good position for him he is a big bodied guy He's six foot two 213 pounds he had 76 tackles last year and I think as you're kind of shifting and learning essentially a new position because I mean you you might think that playing corner and going to a defensive back or a safety role is like, who cares? They're, they're all defensive backs. That's to be an easy transition. I, I don't think that. And so I think to have the kind of success that he did of having those tackles, and obviously similar to what you were talking about with the Jags, the, the Titans were, I mean, excuse me, the Texans were giving up yards and yards and stuff. So maybe they weren't a, they were not a shutdown defense or anything. But I think as you're learning that position to have that kind of success, I'm excited to see what year two of safety Lonnie Johnson can do. Absolutely. So now that we have covered all teams, who wins it for you? <laughs> yeah, this is this is a uh, a big one. Like you said, a lot of people are just all over the Titans train, thinking, especially after the Julio Jones trade, that a lot of people. I mean, we talked about on the show is kind of they got this so they can compete with the Bills or with the Chiefs, and they can keep up with that offensive firepower. I don't know. I'm really still kind of torn about it. I. 
I think right now, and maybe this is going to be in a rant rave recall eventually, but right now I'm still picking the Colts. I just really am excited to see what Carson Wentz does with Frank Reich. And I think they obviously lost some defensive pieces uh, in in Walker and whatnot, but I still think they have one of the best young linebackers in Darius Leonard. Uh, they still have a pretty ferocious defensive front. I am worried about the retirement of Anthony Costanzo, but as a whole, their offensive line is better than what Wentz had in Philly last year. So I'm still going to go with the Colts here. Could yeah, I honestly thought... Recall, but uh, yeah. that's what I'm, what I'm feeling. <laughs> I honestly thought we were going to differ on this one. I thought that you were going to go Titans with all that stuff, but I kind of foreshadowed it saying that I'm worried about a lot of the losses that they had, uh, and I still wonder about some of the additions. I'm going with the Colts, too. I just I know that the big if... So the, the thing is, the if for the Titans, there's more variance there. There's more players that we have ifs slash questions about, like if they come along and the Titans should win the division uh, obviously, they did win it last year, but you know, with the with the Colts, there's only one if. It's if Carson Wentz. I doesn't even. I'm not even saying the if's not even if he returns to you know MVP caliber football. He doesn't even need to do that. He just needs to do Philip Rivers just a little bit better. And Philip Rivers was good last year, but he wasn't this world beater. He wasn't phenomenal. He was just pretty solid. He was pretty good. What we expected, and that's all Carson has to do. So to me, I would rather bet on one player who's done it before to return to form than a handful of players turning around a defense that's been pretty bad the last couple of years. That's my opinion. All right. All right. So we're both going Colts. So let's move on down to the other South. Let's go to the NFC South. Obviously, the defending Super Bowl champions in this division. There's a big quarterback trade for the Panthers. There's a big retirement from the Saints. And then, of course, Adam, the pseudo Falcons fan that he is following Kyle Pitts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is a fantastic, fascinating division. Uh, Certainly should be a lot of fun to watch. Let's go with the... Uh, retire E team first. The New Orleans Saints, obviously Drew Brees, one of Josh and I's favorite players of all time, retiring after just an incredible career. Uh, never got that second Super Bowl, but does have a Super Bowl victory and MVP under his wing. Uh, they obviously also lost Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Jared Cook, Trey Hendrickson, who we talked about in last week's episode, the defensive end pass rusher, Kwan Alexander, Janoris Jenkins, who was mentioned earlier in this episode yeah they just they lost a lot of pieces because they had cap hell basically um so they didn't really have a lot of additions a couple of re-signings really restructurings the biggest re-signing being Jameis winston uh and then they had the there was the really funny four-year 140 million dollar contract for uh Taysom hill and they told us it's basically just like one year dear after one year that they can void nothing's guaranteed um, so, yeah, the other key additions in the draft, Peyton Turner, the defensive end, one of their their first overall pick, Pete Warner, linebacker in the second round. And then they did take a quarterback in the fourth round, the Notre Dame quarterback, Ian Book. Yeah, what do we think about the Saints? What, what, what rookie do we have? The Saints are going to be a really fascinating team to watch. I think there's going to be some regression, honestly. I'm not super high on the Saints this year. Obviously, they have a great coaching staff which i think could kind of propel this and it obviously hinges on the quarterback so we'll have to see for the rookie to watch and again i think with this this crop of rookies i'm not necessarily looking at maybe the guy that makes the biggest impact right away but i think one that could be players to watch for for years to come i'm going with landon young he was a six round pick out of kentucky this past year he's an offensive lineman 
what I like about Young is he can play either tackle spot. Obviously, they have Ryan Ramchick there at the right tackle position, and they have Armstead over there at the left tackle, who is coming off a really strong year, but he's getting up there in age. So, obviously, with the offensive line, the tackles are going to be just uber important. So, if one goes down, and Armstead has been has had injury concerns in the past and whatnot, Ramchick's been fairly solid, but... You know, anything can happen. So having a guy that I think can be a, a swing tackle play either position, I think obviously falling to the sixth round, you're not going to think, oh, this guy's going to make a big deal or a big impact. But I think it's a really good spot for Landon Young. I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL. Yeah, that's a really, really, um, really nice pick. It all, like you said before, it all hinges on who's the quarterback, who, who wins the job, and how does that impact the team? Is Jameis after... <laughs> is LASIK surgery Jameis different and better than non-LASIK surgery Jameis? Uh, we don't know. Is Taysom Hill's yeah. sample size of, of how best, well... One of the best what? plays in the playoff game against the Bears. It's true. So. That's very true. Um, but also is the you know sample size that we had of Taysom Hill, who played very well last year, is that the Taysom Hill that we will get and can get? We don't know. So we'll see what happens, but... Going over to the rookies, I'm going with the second round pick, Pete Warner, linebacker. I think the nice. the, the Saints lost a lot of defensive pieces, including one of the names I mentioned in Kwan Alexander, who's just a tackling machine for them. And I think someone's got to slot into that role. And I actually like I love this draft class of rookie linebackers. I think there's a lot of really good linebackers that came out of the draft this year. Uh, and I think that Warner's just gonna kind of slot into a role where he gets to get a lot of tackles. Um, and I don't think their defense is going to be quite as good as it has been in the last couple of years, so I really think that he's going to have to uh, make a lot of tackles. He's going to have the opportunity for it. So I just I like the player, and I just think he got fit into the right spot for year one. Yeah, no, I really I really like that. And New Orleans is is known for having some pretty good linebackers. Obviously, they have uh, Davis there in the middle. Uh, he's getting a little bit older, but I think he's going to be a great great resource to to learn and teach and so definitely definitely a good pick all right my friend who you got for breakout for breakout uh so again this could be something i could fall completely flat on my face i'm gonna go with traycon traquan smith obviously it's a player Interesting. that okay. uh, hasn't always shown the best pension for being consistent and reliable when you had one of the most consistent and reliable quarterbacks in drew Brees. But I'm thinking if we do switch over to Jameis Winston, I'm assuming the main QB one is going to be Jameis Winston. Uh, obviously, he flings the ball around a lot. Uh, set up Mike Evans and Chris Godwin a couple years ago to have really great years. And I think Traquan Smith could be on the receiving end. I don't think, obviously, they have Michael Thomas, who's going to be a, a, a comeback player, uh, in my opinion, not going to be dealing with the injuries. But with Thomas and Kamara to some extent, Drew Brees focused on those. And I don't think we're going to initially see that with a new quarterback. It's not going to have those pre-existing relationships and and repertoire and, and safety feel and valve and whatnot. So I think Smith definitely could revitalize his career here with a change of quarterback. Yeah, uh, we talked about earlier in the season, I mentioned, um, I mentioned that I believe that Taysom Hill would win the job. I'm not 100% on that, but I still actually have an inkling that Taysom Hill will win the job. I just think that 
I think Sean Payton likes the guy, and I think that he likes that he called his shot on him on so far. He looked good in the time that he had, and I think that there's a sense of pride there where he wants to put show people that that he got it right but also i mean he can't really go wrong because if he's the guy that turned james around he also looks great too so we'll see what happens we'll see what happens because that's those are preseason games i want to watch i want to see what both quarterbacks look like i'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball and talk about obviously michael thomas and alvin Kamara are going to be one and two in terms of targets but they are searching for that third target and you say Trey Quan Smith. I say that I just don't see how you break out after having that Hall of Fame quarterback. I know you mentioned that, so I'm going to go on the tight end, Adam Troutman. It's going to get an opportunity. All right, all right, all uh, right. Yep, yep. Year two. So he didn't have a lot of play last year. He was behind two other tight ends, one being Jared Cook. Only had 15 catches and one touchdown. But like, watch the 15 catches. He just looks great. I mean, he's a six foot five tight end and I think he's just going to get the opportunity. And we talked about that. Uh, you or you did when we did the AFC side where, especially with Ferkser, but also other players where just guys that are getting opportunities, guys that can capitalize on opportunities. And sure. when he was in college, uh, fantasy footballers podcast that I like to listen to. And I've mentioned many times on the show, they have this thing called the dominator uh, meter ranking uh, score. And it's just like how much, percentage-wise, you're dominating per competition and that he had one of the highest dominator scores of any receiver, period, that they've ever seen in college. So I just he has the physical tools and capabilities to do this, and I think that having a new starting quarterback, whether it is, uh, like you said, you think it'll be Jameis, and like I said, I think it'll be uh, Taysom, whoever it is, I think there's a definite possibility for somebody to become that go-to guy we see that very often where you know there's the number one who always gets their targets and then you know the, obviously there's a pass catching running back like those guys will get it but a lot of times when we see quarterback changes they have a guy that we didn't see coming because they've been practicing with them and working with them and then they come on strong and i i think it'll be adam Troutman. all right i like that you can you can draft him like last in every and in, in every fantasy draft and you'll know week one or two so i suggest you do it <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the next team. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers. It's gonna be my gonna be my home team this this year when I move on down to North Carolina. Obviously, two big trades for the Panthers this year. They traded for Sam Darnold, and then they traded Teddy Bridgewater away. Uh, they obviously also added Hassan Riddick, an outside linebacker from Arizona. Pat Elfline, an offensive lineman, came over from that Vikings line. Cam Irving, another lineman, and then A.J. Bouye, a cornerback. Uh, big draft for them. They got some nice players, their top two picks being J.C. Horn, the cornerback, which was a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, at the top of the draft, uh, Terrence Marshall, another LSU wide receiver, uh, and then one of their third-round picks, Tommy Tremble, a tight end, and then another notable pick, Shai Smith, a wide receiver in the sixth round. But Panthers did a lot. Panthers were a very competitive team last year, and you know some people think that that's just because Teddy was a stabilizing presence. Other people think it's just well-coached and they have a lot of talent on that team. I think it might be a combination of both, but going over to the rookies here, who do you see as a, as a, a, a really solid rookie for them this year? Yeah, you mentioned my rookie there in your little breakdown. I'm really excited about Shai Smith. Uh, just Me too, man. didn't get uh, picked as highly as a Terrace Marshall or anything like that. But I think he's going to slide in and could really slot into the slot wide receiver position pretty quickly. They obviously signed David Moore from the Seattle Seahawks, which could slide into that slot wide receiver position. But uh, David Moore was never exactly 
uber consistent with Seattle, which I think is a reason they didn't keep him or retain him in Seattle. So I, I really like Shy Smith out of South Carolina. Like I said, they have to replace the Curtis Samuel loss that they had there, and he was definitely a really heavily used uh, piece of that puzzle there. So I, I think that maybe he wasn't the highest drafted wide receiver even on his team, but I think he could make an impact possibly sooner. Yeah, uh, that's a really good pick. I have him in, I think, all of my dynasty teams because I just, I do, I like the kid as well. Um, I'm gonna stay in the tight end room like I did last time, and I'm gonna go with their their drafted tight end from from Notre Dame, Tommy Tremble, six foot nice. four tight end. It, it was their second, third round pick, and this is just another. I think that there's an opportunity here for him to have a role. Um, Carolina has needed a tight end ever since Greg Olson left them years ago, and they haven't been able to lock one down. I think that, uh, you know, Ian Thomas is a nice piece, but we've been waiting for the Ian Thomas breakout for years, and it just hasn't happened. So I think, you know, they take a guy Reports in Tommy out of Trimble. camp are promising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, <laughs> they have Tommy Tremble, 21 years old, six foot four. I just think that he's got the Dan physical. Arnold. Yeah, right. They did sign Dan Arnold too, but I think that they that Tommy Trumbull happens an opportunity here, and I think that Sam Donald likes uh, his tight ends. We saw what he did when he had his connection with Chris Herndon at times, but I just I, I like the fit there, and I'm going to use that as a jumping off point to go to my breakout, and I'm going to go Sam Darnold. You guys, everybody, if you listen to the podcast, you know the belief that I have in Sam Darnold. Uh, if you've listened from you know the the get go. You know how much it's jumped back and forth because early on in 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 my talks about Sam Darnold, I was really kind of scathing, and I think it was mostly because uh, everybody who loved Sam Darnold seemed to, out of the other side of their mouth, say how much they hated Josh Allen. So I had to like try to defend Josh and inadvertently was kind of slamming Sam at the same time. But I've never disliked Sam Darnold. I always thought it was a good prospect. Um, I I just think that he had the bad a bad situation. I think that he. And especially with him with Gase, like I just don't think that it really worked. And I think that he was trying to do way too much at times. And I think that he, now he gets to go uh, with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. And I think that they have a system in place that was really good. They need a trigger man who's better than Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that he is. I, I just, I really truly believe, uh, you know, a, a big thing that I um, think is important is that. Sam Darnold always has finished his season strong. Like his last couple of games have always been like pretty darn good. Um, and he was injured, of course, last season at times. But then there was also that, I mean, like one of his best throws is the throw that Lewis Riddick famously responded with that was like pretty eerily similar to the Zach Wilson throw that everybody freaked out about. And they were like, I thought nobody could do this. So like Sam Darnold can do those kinds of things. I think he just needs an offense and a team that believes in him and gives him the tools to do so. And you know, when you get to have Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Krista McCaffrey, and we both just mentioned offensive rep ones that they're going to add as rookies and didn't even mention Terrence Marshall, I just think that everything's in place for Sam Darnold to break out, and I, I believe in it. I, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, no, uh, reports out of camp are that he is just uh, a lot more confident down in, in Carolina than he was in New York, and obviously that could totally just be a training camp story that – Oh, like, look, this is this is a top five pick that's just turning it around. So we'll have to see whether or not that actually has credence. But uh, I'd certainly like it to, to see it have credence. Absolutely. So that's my breakout. Who's yours? 
uh, my breakout. First of all, I need to I need to put the show on pause for a quick second. Oh no! Okay. Uh, I just I I I also always thought this. Do you do you realize that there's no N in Terrace Marshall's name? I did not know that. Are you serious? Yeah, like I for for so long I thought his name was Terrence Marshall, but so it's, it's Terrace Marshall. Like, yeah, honey, I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette on the terrace. Yeah. Oh my god. Terrace. Yeah, I always thought it was Terrence Marshall, but it's not. So we we have another young ho situation. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not my fault. It's not our fault that we've just never seen a terrace. I feel like you know. No, you that's see that true. Name and, and you it, think and, it's and Terrence. It's, and like, if you don't listen carefully when you like hear people say his name, if you're not like looking at it close enough, it's not something you notice. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm even having like kind of a hard time saying it. Anyways, I just thought that was funny that I that's fantastic. I finally I finally realized myself, and I was like, I have to correct my errors, and then. I was like, well, let's just get this out of the way in case we talk about him a lot in the future. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Uh, for my breakout, though, I'm going to go with one of those uh, free agent signings that you're talking about bringing over. I'm excited about Pat Elfline joining that offensive line, uh, protecting your breakout player, Sam Darnold. Obviously, I think Elfline had a pretty solid time in Minnesota. I think started as the center, shifted over to guard after Minnesota drafted Garrett Bradbury a couple years ago uh, and kind of became a little less important and not as valued in Minnesota. But I think coming down, I mean, you talk about Carolina, you talk about Christian McCaffrey and running the ball. You're going to have to give Sam Darnold time and protection to hit some of those speedy, deep wide receivers. So I think adding to that offensive line, beefing it up, I think we'll really see Pat Elfline become uh, a little more of a dominant self that they probably expected in Minnesota. But became a little more expendable and didn't quite reach that that peak that they thought he was super necessary to retain. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think th- I really like a lot of the moves that they did. Um I just I think that Carolina's an interesting team. I I think that they're going to I know they're going to be competitive. Like they are going to push teams and they're going to beat some some really good teams. What I don't know, but I can see happening is them pushing for a playoff spot this year. I think that they have a really good roster. Yeah, no, for sure. I think they do. I think when we talk about the pieces they lost versus the pieces they gained, I think a lot of the times they were really competitive in games last year, but as much as we liked touting him, I think Teddy Bridgewater was kind of an impediment when things got to crunch time. We'd often see that they needed to to move the ball and Teddy wasn't always taking shots down the field or he was more comfortable to take a completion when that is obviously good and well and great and you want that, but maybe not when you have 36 seconds to move the ball. Uh, So I think getting some fresh quarterback blood there uh, with Matt Rule, who I think uh, showed a lot of promise in his rookie year as a head coach. And who's to say? Panthers. Who's to say? Maybe we're just bitter because we were such high DJ Moore fans for fantasy football, <laughs> and we kept watching Teddy not hit him when he was open downfield or not even try. He just kept targeting Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson every friggin' play. But and whenever then he did DJ Moore, DJ, it was awesome. <laughs> so hopefully, I know that Sam's best friend is Robbie Anderson, but hopefully Sam also notices that DJ Moore is pretty cool too. Uh, let's head over to the Atlanta Falcons, Adams NFC team. And the Falcons, a lot of changes, but also 
a lot of people stayed that a lot of people didn't think would. Matt Ryan being included. A lot of people thought he might be gone. A lot of people thought they might take a quarterback. They did not. So big names they lost. Keanu Neal, Alex Mack, Ricardo Allen. Those are some big names. Uh, some key additions. They did get Cordell Patterson, the wide receiver, running back, kick returner, extraordinaire, uh, Madden dominator. Uh, they also signed Mike Davis, the running back from the Panthers, who had a pretty solid year last year. Uh, I should say had a really hot start. He did cool off near the end of the year, but he still had a pretty good year. Uh, Barkevius Mingo, outside linebacker, comes over, and they also did sign an offensive lineman, Josh Harris, to sure up that. Obviously, big uh, draft for them, getting Kyle Pitts, the pretty much consensus slam dunk uh, prospect. Uh, we hope, we assume he's going to be great. Uh, they did also get Richie Grant in the second round. They got Jalen Mayfield in the third round. Uh, and then a wide receiver I really like, Frank Darby, uh, in the sixth round. So a lot of turnover for the Falcons. How do we feel about the Falcons? And uh, are we going just total, like, uh, fruit growing out of the ground for rookie? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go with the super low hanging fruit of Kyle Pitts as much as that would, you know, obviously he's an amazing prospect and we loved him, uh, in draft season. I'm going to go, you, you mentioned him. I'm going to go with the third round pick Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. I, I really like this. I think he is a, just a, a big hulking offensive lineman, six foot five. I'm not sure he will play tackle in the NFL. He could slide into the inside, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think. Uh, watching Matt Ryan, especially as he's aged a little bit, and uh, as much as we love the moniker that we've given him, Matty Wheels, he's not the most mobile guy. <laughs> I think he can sometimes <laughs> deal with that pressure up the middle. So if you get Mayfield in there to to be a guard, I think that could certainly be a good thing to help him out. Uh, so they did lose Alex Max. So I'll be curious to see who will take over uh, for for center and if, to see if they can bring the kind of uh, dependability of an Alex Mack but I think definitely seeing Mayfield on the offensive line is something I really like there for the rookie third round pick okay absolutely yeah I, I like I said I like a lot of the, the pieces they got they also got a undrafted running back Javian Hawkins that I really like but the rookie that I want to uh hone in on for the Falcons is Frank Darby the wide receiver that they took in the sixth round the one that I just mentioned uh just previously uh so Frank Darby is uh six foot uh, wide receiver out of Arizona State. Uh, he was injured during his senior season, uh, had eight touchdowns in a breakout year during his junior year, and for his entire college career averaged about 20 yards a catch. Uh, so pretty pretty consistent big play guy, but also a, a yards after the catch guy as well. I just, I think that there's an opportunity here, obviously with Julio being gone, uh, you know, last year, how oh, am I blanking on his name? Who's the, who's the third wide receiver that, had a pretty good year for the Falcons. I can't think of him right now. Zucchini? No, I do like I do like Olamide Zacchaeus, but no, there was a there was a receiver who like the first two weeks, like him Russell and Julio. Gage? Yes, Russell Gage. Thank you. That's what I was saying. Is uh, a lot of people are, are pretty high on Russell Gage slotting into that number two spot outside of Calvin Ridley, but somebody's got to take care of the slot and somebody's just got to get the targets. I know that a lot of people think that Kyle Pitts will be that, and I'm huge on Kyle Pitts. Everybody knows my love for Kyle Pitts, okay? Uh, but I think Frank Darby can do this. Frank Darby was a really, really good player in college, and I think that um, – I, I just think that he is uh, 
able to get into a slot role and just, you know, get open. Uh, like I said, we don't know if it's Russell Gage or Olamide Zacchaeus Zucchini, as we so lovingly dub him. Uh, but I think they really like Darby. And I think that, you know, we've talked about people looking good in camp and, you know, who's to say how much credence a lot of that is in in all this uh, this process. But uh, it's certainly not. It's certainly not a, a knock against people uh, if they're looking good in camp, quote. So I really like this player, and I think that there's an opportunity for him. Sure. All right, who you got for breakout, my man? Breakout, I'm going to go uh, kind of a throwback from last week. Last week I talked about Jeff Akuda over in Detroit. Uh, for the South, I'm going to go with his draft counterpart, A.J. Terrell. I think he struggled last year like a uh, – Seemed like most young defensive backs did last year, but I think he showed a lot of promise. What I really like is he had he finished a year with 74 tackles, but 61 of those were solo tackles, which is a pretty high solo tackle rate uh, when you look at total tackles versus like assists and uh, solo, etc. So I think if, if you're doing that kind of work, you're showing that you're a physical young player, and I think he can definitely grow into a spot that they were expecting when they took him pretty high out of it was Clemson, correct? Uh, I think so. Yes, I do think it was Clemson. Wait, yeah, AJ Terrell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Corner. He's a cornerback, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like AJ Terrell. I like a lot of stuff on this team, and uh, obviously, like I said, I picked the I picked Frank Darby as the rookie, and I like a lot of what they added because I even toyed with the uh, Olamide Zacchaeus or Russell Gage. They also signed Taji Sharp, who uh, was a. a at times seemed to be uh, breaking out for uh, the Titans, but never really got it fully. Uh, yeah, I, I I like this team, and I think that they don't get enough credit for a lot of the stuff that's on their team, but a breakout that I'm going to go with, I'm going to stay on the defensive side. Uh, I'm going to go with Dante Fowler. So okay, Dante, okay. Fow- Dante Fowler, it's his, I want to say his third season, fourth season. Uh, I think it's his fourth. Is his fourth season? Yep, and I, he, I think so. yeah. So he had uh, he's been maligned with injury, and he also just was very inconsistent earlier on in his career. Uh, I think that he was last with the Rams, and I just think that this is a nice opportunity for him. Uh, obviously, the Falcons losing a couple pieces in terms of pass rush to other teams. Tack McKinley's gone. Uh, there's another pass rusher that left too. I think I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but there's an opportunity for. Dante Fowler to line up on the outside and just go get the quarterback. And I think that he's going to have a really solid year in that role. I really like this, this uh, coaching staff and this team that, that Arthur Smith has put together. And I know that I, I think I mentioned it on last week's episode, the flying coach podcast where Arthur Smith was on it and him and Sean McVay and uh, Pete Schrager were all talking. And I just really liked the way he was talking about his team and some of his players. And he mentioned Dante Fowler, uh, and I think that he is a real opportunity to just kind of be that pass rusher that, you know, they expected him to be when he was drafted. For sure. Oh, Obviously yeah. has okay. a pretty high draft pedigree, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I paused sure. because I paused because I forgot that you also already did your your breakout. All right, so let's go to the last but not least, the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Maybe losses. Well so I, this is really easy. Losses, none. Additions, they literally kept everybody. 
all of their starters are coming back. It's I don't think it's ever happened before in the history of a title defense. I don't think they've like a Super Bowl team has ever kept everybody and not lost a single person. Uh, the two biggest draft picks for them they took Joe Tryon, uh, an out, kind of an outside linebacker, defensive end, hybrid pass rusher, and then they took obviously Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback that some people said could possibly go in the first round. So I mean. In terms of off-seasons, if you're defending champ, this is how you want to do it, right? You keep everybody and you just add a couple pieces, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, to fall to the end of the second round, I had Kyle Trask as their, their pick at 32. So I think getting that quarterback that can, they can mold into Bruce Arians' quarterback and learn under Tom Brady. Is this finally going to be the quarterback that we like say is going to learn under Tom Brady that finally gets to take over the reins? I don't know. Yeah, but, and you know what? We, we'll say that, but you know. <laughs> well, whatever happened. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's it's incredible what they were able to do. It's it's kind of kind of upsetting, sort of. Like I was, I was super excited to see where a player like Godwin was going to go or yeah. and, and whatnot. Obviously, he's only on the on the franchise tag, so they're still working out a long term deal to see if he does stay there in Tampa long term. But it really is incredible what they were able to do for sure. All right, who we got for a rookie? There's not a lot to pick from. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go with uh, Jalen Darden, who is a wide receiver out of North Texas. Uh, and obviously this is a pretty stacked wide receiver room. We're talking about the aforementioned Chris Godwin. We're talking about Mike Evans, Antonio Brown still there, Scotty Miller. But there is the caveat for me. Obviously Antonio Brown can play in this slot, but I think uh, for Darden to make an impact and maybe again a continued theme throughout the course of this episode is maybe we're not going to see him right away, but I definitely think that Darden could be down the road uh, a very prominent piece of this offense in the slot because – AB is not going to be there forever. I think his main competition is going to be Scotty Miller, who at times really did play really, really well. But also, I was fairly shocked to see that he only had three touchdowns and barely 500 yards last year when I thought he was just lighting the world on fire. Maybe, I, I don't know why I thought that, but I think Darden, who averaged over 16 yards a catch uh, over his last two years in college, I think definitely could become that slot guy. Definitely need to watch, so, in my opinion. So what I want to ask, though, is how come, I mean, do you not like, uh, what's his first name, uh, Johnson, the rookie that from last year from uh, Minnesota who had a couple big catches in the in the title game? Uh, you know who I'm talking about? I, I do know who you're talking about. Uh I don't, don't, I don't really have something intelligent to say to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I mean, is is he primarily in the slot? He has. Well, I mean, that's where he kind of played last year, just because they have embarrass an embarrassing amount of weapons. I was just curious if you saw that as competition. So I, I'm assuming with your reaction, you just don't see him as a slot competition, which makes sense. But yeah, that, um, that I, that's pretty uh, much yeah. what it is. I think. And a lot of this is going to hinge on whether or not Chris Godwin does stay in Tampa. Right, And for Mike sure. Evans obviously is, I mean, he hasn't hit 30, but he is, is reaching an age where we're going to start seeing these young guys come out and, and make plays. So I just see Darden as the main slot guy. I don't know sure. if I see Scotty Miller staying around in Tampa. So I just see him sliding into that spot and making his name yeah. for him right there. 
All right. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Uh, I'm going to go with this. Is, it's hard to pick a rookie on a team that we just said returned everybody because there's not a lot of opportunities for people. So we are kind of scraping the barrel a little bit. I'm going to go with their fifth round pick here. I'm going to go with uh, inside linebacker KJ Britt. So from Auburn and his description uh, by this is Bucks get hammer inside linebacker KJ Britt. Uh, just a tough, physical, smart defender. Now he's going to be in a rotation with Levante David and Devin White and Kevin Minter. Like he's not going to be on the field a lot, but I think that I think that KJ Britt is going to make some highlight plays. We're like, man, who's that? He just made that kind of tackle, uh, especially in the preseason. I think we're going to have a couple of them where like he gets going because he got some got some play time for sure. But I think that he's a guy with you know a guy like Levante David getting a little bit older. Uh, that could eventually overcome him and be him and Devin White there uh, in the middle of that field uh, in the uh, shoot Todd Bowles defensive coordinator scheme for sure. But I really really like this player. He's old fashioned and he's a hard hitter. Yeah, I like that a lot. Alrighty, so who we got for breakout for a team that doesn't really need anybody to break out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I didn't do a whole lot of thinking or research into this one. I am taking the words out of Bruce Arians' mouth himself. He projected that he says that Keyshawn Vaughn is finally going to break out. And I okay. am also presenting that. I don't have a, a great argument for it, but I wanted to bring it up just to talk about. I just thought it was interesting that obviously Arians is is a, kind of a hot mouth coach and will make these yes. kind of proclamations uh, and, and, and say things like that that we don't always love or agree with. But to, to say that Keyshawn Vaughn, when you still have uh, Leonard Fournette and and Rojo over there to say that this guy's finally about to turn the page and it's going to break out. I just think that's super interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I mean I was high on him last year. Now I think, and I don't have this information written down. That's why I'm trying to. I, I I mentioned this at the top of last week's podcast. I'm trying to keep a running list of all the things we say and the players we mentioned so I can look back. But I feel like I touted Keyshawn Vaughn as the rookie for last year. Like, I think I believe that he was going to be the, the top rookie for them last year because Tom Brady loves that James White-esque running back that can catch out of the backfield. Uh, so it would make sense that he would. It just was shocking that he wasn't ever really truly on the field last year for them. Uh, he had a couple of nice plays, but it was Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, really, that got all of the work for this team. So I'd love to see Keyshawn Vaughn get some run. I'd love to see that, but I just, like... I don't trust Bruce Arians with that because they ta they talked about him being involved last year and he really wasn't. So I would love to see it, but I I'm a little hesitant to be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely makes sense. But there was just times watching Buccaneers games where it was Leonard Fournette was the receiving back, and I was like, right, what in right. what world is like this making sense? <laughs> so it definitely could make sense for Vaughn to kind of carve out his niche there as he's become more comfortable in the NFL and well, and like that role. So Fournette had that one random year in Jacksonville a year or two ago where he caught like eighty catches, and we were like, what's happening? It's just because nobody else was getting open. So I mean, it's yeah, it's definitely weird. But we were talking about in the title game, how many times did they get? That did Green Bay stay in the game because Leonard Fournette dropped something or one of the backs couldn't catch something? Like it happened multiple times, so they're going to need a guy. So it would make sense. I just, I don't know, Bruce Arians, <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Arians, man. Anyway, I'm going to go to a guy that I think that a lot of people in the football community have respect for, but in guy. the out here now, here's a guy. <laughs> um, 
that in like I said in the football community, people that watch it know who Vita Vea is, nose tackle. They know who he is. They know he's a great player, but he's not a name that people who don't watch a ton of football know. And I think that in terms of breakout, he's going to be a name we're looking at. Sure. Uh, like I said, he plays the nose tackle position. Uh, a lot of times, Adamic and Sue gets in there, but Sue's been on the outside a little bit more recently. I think Vita Vea, who was injured a lot last year, came on for the playoff run, and that defense was just was ferocious. Important. He was super important to that run for them. And I think him, full offseason being healthy, ready to go for this season, I just think he's going to have a monster impact for this team. Um, and uh, I think that he'll, at the end of the year, we'll be looking at him as a. Okay, this guy, this guy's one of the top defensive tackles in the NFL. For sure, that's a really smart pick. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I just never really considered uh, Vitavea a, a breakout because I, I thought he was fairly well established. But right, I definitely. That's hear like you. I said, like I, I said, when, I think that he is established. When he but was, I just <laughs> when he was missing, I feel like that was felt, and when he came back, that was felt. Yeah, so maybe I cheated a little bit there, but that's okay. Ah, no. Anyway. Totally <laughs> anyway. Acceptable. All right. Drum roll. Who's your who's your winner? Yeah, no, I think this one is fairly easy. I don't I would love to be wrong, uh, but I just feel like the Bucks are the cream of the crop. Uh, I think the Saints were my pick last year, but I feel like they've regressed uh, without Drew Brees and the question mark at quarterback. Uh, and even even their defense, I'll have to see, I think, of large strength of the saints were their defense and i'm not sure we'll necessarily see that this year so i'm going with tampa like you said they came on super strong they retained everybody they're just gonna be more familiar and comfortable they still have a great coaching staff i love todd bowles a lot and so uh, i would love to pick the panthers as a dark horse i really like that but i just don't know if i see it happening i really love the panthers too like i really i think that um I think that the Panthers are really going to be competitive this year. I truly do. I just don't think that they win the division. And are you picking the Falcons? I am. I am. And I'm only doing it. I'm doing it just because I, I think it's funny and because <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it because I truly want the, the the. Here's the thing. It's I just think it's so disrespectful. The the. Atlanta Falcons have worse odds to win their division right now than the Denver Broncos do. And I think that is so disrespectful. This team didn't really lose a ton of things. And obviously, like, they struggled at times last year. But they were, they, they were in a lot of games last year. And if you are of the mindset that you were for most of the year last year that that Dan Quinn is just a terrible head coach. And, you know, by the end of the year, I'm, I was on board with you, right? I'm not fighting you about that anymore. If you're really on that mindset, then adding an Arthur Smith and then the pieces that they did, especially with the Kyle Pitts and a couple of the other pieces, why wouldn't they be competitive again? Now I said, this is, this is a bull prediction, right? Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's just like the, they're plus 900 plus 1000 to win this division. This is a bold prediction, but I just want to, I want it on record. Like I want it on this audio so that if it happens, everybody will go back and be like, Oh my God, that crazy son of a bee totally predicted it. So let's go Falcons, man. Kyle Pitts, Rookie of the Year, Matt Ryan, MVP. <laughs> wow, MVP. You just doubled down that full prediction with something even more bold. Uh, you know, I think he's definitely going to have to win MVP if they're going to win the division. No, and honestly, like like I said, it's 
it, it's half to be funny, but also like I really do think this team is way better than people give it credit for. I really I know that like they're talking about we don't know who's gonna be the running back, but a lot of times it's more about running blocking. They added some pieces of the offensive line, which at times struggled, but for the most part wasn't that bad. Uh, and then you have obviously they traded away Julio, but they were without Julio a lot of last season and still were able to throw the ball very well. I really think that Dan Quinn ended up holding this team back. And as much as I didn't want to believe it because I like this team and I like rooting for them, I really think that Arthur Smith coming in is going to bring out the Matt Ryan that we've known for the last handful of years that is the Matty Ice and the the lovingly dubbed Matty Wheels. Like, I really think Matt Ryan's going to have a fantastic season. If Arthur Smith uh, makes Matty Wheels a thing, I will, I will have that. <laughs> okay, fantastic. But yeah, so I, I'm just going to pick the Falcons because it's fun and because I do think there's an outside chance and I put 10 bucks on it, so... <laughs> I'm really excited for a player that you you didn't write off, but I, I love the career trajectory of Mike Davis where really? he wasn't he wasn't highly drafted and he moved around teams and he finally got a shot and he capitalized and he made it into a probably starting gig. I, I really like that kind of story well, for a running back. And that, well, he, I absolutely do too. I mean, he's 28 years old. He was actually born like – He's our age. He was born the year that we were born. So it says February February 19th, 1993. So like not only is that, he's also 5'9". So he's only like two inches taller than you. Or actually, aren't you 5'9"? <laughs> I was going to say. What are you? Yeah, yeah like he's your height. Five, he's nine. you. You are Mike Davis, my friend. <laughs> wow. I am the combination. I am the height of Mike Davis and the weight. And the weight of Devonta Smith. <laughs> Time here for the combine, everybody. Wow, why are you not in the league, bro? <laughs> um, and the hands of Braylon Edwards. But regardless, I no, uh, you're right. Was, I like I, he was awesome <laughs> that one year. Yeah, New York. That one, yeah, that one year where they went to the title game. But yeah, no, you're right. I like like he's really great. The only concern I had about him is that he did end the year under four yards per carry. And as hot of a start as he had, he really trared off. Now, who's to say sure. if that was just they wanted – obviously, Christian came back and he played a little bit. And obviously, there was – you know, he got nicked up a little bit. Who's to say what that all is about? But I do really like the player. I do think he's a solid piece. I just – I think that they're going to be able to do more of a committee with using Mike Davis, using Cordero Patterson as the sort of offensive weapon overall. Uh, and I'm then sorry, did being you able say gadget player? No, I didn't. I said offensive weapon because <laughs> – <laughs> but for real, I really think they're going to be able to use him in motions and and get pits open over the middle. Calvin Ridley just always finds a way to get open. Uh, I talked about the rookie Frank Darby. Uh, we mentioned Russell Gage and our buddy Zucchini, Olamide Zacchaeus. I think that they have pieces on this team and they're just being overlooked because they have just had heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss. And what's that say about me that the teams that I like just always have heartbreaking losses? I don't know, but... It just uh, seems to follow me, but uh, yeah, I just I'm I'm gonna root for the team anyway, so why not pick them to win? There we go. I like it. Well, there you have it, everybody. Adam has gone with the Atlanta Falcons for the third year in a row. I have, and third time's the charm? Question mark. <laughs> um, you say three is a magic number. It is a magic number. Uh, two is a magic number here on simultaneous catch. It will not be solo catch. Uh, great episode. Let's go to our uh, Instagram real quick, see what everybody had for division winners for the South. We did get a couple answers. Uh, so 
we got an answer from our Cowboys correspondent, Bucks Titans, he says. Uh, and then my my cousin JD said he guesses the Bucks and the Titans, uh, but he thinks nothing is fun about those choices. Then he said any dark horses and mentioned Carolina. Uh, I do see a scenario in which that would happen. Obviously, like if I believe that there's a scenario where the Falcons can win the division, <laughs> I believe there's a I believe there's a scenario where the Carolina Panthers win the division. Uh, I like a lot of what they have. I think it would be fun. Like I said, I'm moving down there, so like I would like to go to a game in which they're like in a game. You know, I think that'd be a lot of fun so uh yeah i mean i i really don't see anybody other than the titans or the colts winning the division over in the afc south uh maybe you believe that you know if, if you see that if you see the jack the jaguars having an outside chance it's trevor lawrence is who we all think he is you know the andrew luck john elway prospect combined with Urban Meyer, who has just been destined for the NFL for years, you know, like maybe that combination does catch fire. Uh, we've certainly seen weirder things happen in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, the Bucks Titans does seem kind of boring, but it does seem to be what the favorite is right now. Well, not on our show, so. No, definitely not on our show. <laughs> Anything else you got for today, friend? You know, I uh, feel real solid, so. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch. I do have one shout-out. So my older sister, Allison Marie Rossi, uh, last couple of days recently released her first EP album. Uh, it's called Voice Memos. It is on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's wherever you get, get your music. Uh, you can also file, follow Allison Marie on TikTok and Instagram. She does post it there. But it is a five-track album. It's her first album she writ and wrote it, played music, performed it, everything. It's really, uh, truly a, a wonderful, wonderful piece of art. That's uh, It's called Voice Memos. Just wanted to give her a shout out. Go check that out, everybody. Check it out. Thanks, guys, for listening to Simultaneous Catch. We will see you in the coming weeks for the next Divisional Preview. God bless. <laughs>